Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do today, and what you're going to do in the future. Uh, God, uh, we ask as we open your word, as we see your truth, that we can just let the, uh, your word wash over us. Your truth about who you are wash over us and just penetrate our hearts. God, we want to be a people that are not just um, superficial, but a people that know down deep what it is that they believe and their lives are changed because of what it is that they believe. Uh, God, let us have right understanding, right belief, so we can have right action in our life. Uh, Lord, we pray that um, as we are gathered together and uh, there are those that are on our hearts that we would love to see in your house, uh, God, stir up in us the, the, either the opportunities, the confidence, the strength, the motivation, whatever it is to spread your news to them and to uh, let your Spirit draw them in here. God, we're, we're praying for big things here, and we know that we are a, a, a small bunch, but God, we have big prayers, and we're looking to you because you're a big God. So, Father, let us uh, just come before you today and uh, just offer up our, our, our sacrifice, our, our offering of praise, and uh, God, just let us stand and expect you to work amongst us, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so uh, we are going to start, or not start, but continue in our series on um, the foundations. Now, these, these foundations that we, that we are uh, looking at, these are the doctrines of our church. These are what uh, the statement of faith, if you were to go to our website, which I, I would encourage everybody to do. Um, I, I, go to our website, go under the What We Believe, uh, the We Believe page, um, and on there you'll see there's a link where you can look at all eight of the doctrines that are foundational for our church. This one we're going to look at today is the doctrine of God. And before we get into the doctrine of God, I think that it's important to understand why we are doing this. Uh, this is not so that I can get my theological bent out of me and just, just vomit a whole bunch of information out there and you guys walk out of here dry, you know, soaking wet like, oh, that was gross. Um, sorry about the picture. I know some of you have weak stomachs, so uh, that's even better. Uh, it, it's usually the biggest guys in the room have the weakest stomachs. But anywho, don't look around because they're trying not to gag right now. Uh, but I, I think it's important to uh, look at what it is that we're doing and, and see that there is a purpose. So uh, church history, I, I said this a few weeks ago, that church history has taught us more um, that the... or that the more open and the more general the articles of faith are or the doctrines in which we believe are, the more open they are, the more likely that false teaching will uh, appear and, and will gain a, a foothold. Plug for our Wednesday night small group. We, are, uh, we just finished up Jehovah's Witness, the, the, the Christian cult of Jehovah's Witnesses, looking at, at them and explaining and, and learning that they're not the enemy, they're lost, they need Jesus. Uh, that's a, uh, um, a, a, a cult that is very, very prevalent around us. Uh, this coming up week, we're, we're, we have a transition week. And then next week, well, this week, if you want to come, come. It's awesome. Uh, next week, we're starting into a, another Christian cult, uh, Mormons, uh, Mormonism. So that's going to be another uh, good one for you to, if you want to learn more. But it, why, why do I say that? It's because tr if we have loose doctrine, um, then we can get loose interpretation of what the Bible really says. And then that's where cults uh, come out of, is that, that loose interpretation. Uh, 
So it's important that we have a times where, as Paul was telling Titus and Timothy, that, that, that there is um, times we sit down and, and we, we go over the sound doctrine. That's not saying that we don't do that every single week by proclaiming His Word. Sometimes we just need to have that refined moment. It's kind of like if you're a, a, a baseball player, I'm thinking of a football player, and the coach is yelling at you from the sideline, but then there's a moment when you come over and he grabs your face mask or something, or your shoulder pads. I don't know if they're still allowed to do that. That might be you know, abuse now, and you might not get a trophy for, for participating. But um, he, I can, I can, I'm looking at my coach and, and, and thinking about the plenty of times that uh, it's really usually grabbing the face mask. I'm, I'm picturing Coach Maury right now. Yeah, <clears throat> he's taking, and you're like, man, I just want to unbuckle my chin strap because my, my neck doesn't turn that way. Uh, but there's sometimes that the, the, the coach come up and gets in your face and says, this is what you're doing and this is what you need to do and this is the right thing to do. I think this is that type of moment where we just need to pull back a little bit, let, let, let's grab hold and let's see what these doctrines are that we are saying that we believe and that our lives are to be transformed by. Uh, I, I think that if we don't do this from time to time, distance happens. And what, what do you mean by distance? Let me tell you a little story. So uh, my, uh, my my grandparents are are, are older, and um, they're not they're, they're not like confined to their house. They go out every morning. They go out to eat and they come home or whatever. But they go to bed like at six seven o'clock at night. Well, uh, over the, the past couple weeks. We've been busy, and we haven't got over there. Uh, I, I take care of their wood burner, put wood in it every night. I go over there, but it's usually like 9 o'clock at night. They're already in bed and everything. Um, but uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've been over there while they were up. So my grandma, through my, through my sister, is um, asking, is, is Lee mad at us? Because he hasn't been over here, and, and my grandpa says, like a month. It's been like a week and a half. Uh, so he's, he hasn't been over here in like a month, you know, I think he's mad at us. And it, no, there's, there's nothing about I'm mad at you or ill or anything. It's just I've been busy and I haven't been over there until later in the evening. Well, what, what has happened is that there, there's nothing ill that's in there from, from my part why I haven't been there. Just, there's just distance. And when there's distance, there's uncertainty. And the, the uncertainty just creeps in and they can start thinking crazy things about, well, why this or why that? Why, I, why am I telling you this? I think that the, if we don't visit key doctrines um, periodically, we can just drift away and not really know the truth. And I don't want us to drift away and not really know the truth. Just like I, I, Shannon and I are going over there today, making sure that we go over there and sit down and listen to my grandpa complain about Donald Trump for an hour and a half and what, whatever. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be all right. Yeah, I just sit there and, and, and listen. And, uh, but uh, just that time and that presence, that'll take and that'll close that gap. That'll close that distance that, that, is, uh, that, that seems to be there. Um, and, and I think that that is what we're doing here with bringing all of these doctrines back up. Can any one of you look at them at any time on the website? Absolutely you can. But I think it's time where we, where we come together, coach grabs a face mask and says, here, you got to listen to this. And um, as we do that, I hope that you're, you're not trying to squirm and get away, but you're, you're, you're pressing into, okay, what can we learn about, like today, the doctrine of God? That's a huge doctrine, absolutely. We're going to pull it in a little bit, and we're going to talk specifically and primarily about the doctrine of the Trinity. <laughs> I thought you were going to pull it in, Lee. Yes, 
We are. The, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Trinity. But then we're going to see why this is important. And, and, and from the truth of, of who God, in, God is and the nature He has um, in, in the, the Godhead, the triune Godhead, the, the three persons in one God, when we, when we look at that, how our lives can be, should be, will be different. So with me, uh, let's, let's jump in real quick. Uh, you have your notes there, and I, I know that... Um, for my type A people, we've been having a whole bunch of, of notes, like whole page notes. I see you're giddy and you've got your favorite pen out and all these little different colored pencils. And I, 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 don't, I don't get all that, but uh, yay, right? Yeah, I, I know. I see. We, yeah, leave you alone. I get you. Here's my question. No, and, and don't answer this. Don't respond to it. Just look at me like I'm dumb when I ask this. Because I always want to know, um, and you can tell me later, like, do you actually go back through your notes? Because some people just write their stuff down as they're listening, and that's how they do it. But do you actually go back through your notes? And if you do, I would love to hear some of the, um, the, 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 the revelations or uh, the times when God is speaking to you when you're, when you're actually going back through those notes, thinking about what the bald guy on the stage said and what God is, how he's working in your life and what's coming out. So set a time, I want to hear about it. But anyhow, note takers, beware, this is going to be awesome. Doctrine of God. You look on, on your notes there in, in, in italics, uh, you see what we believe, and uh, this is, this is the, the, the summation of the whole doctrine of God that we have on our statement of faith. You can go to our website, you can see that. But the doctrine of God says this, we believe in one God eternally existing as one essence in three distinct persons. Don't let your brain escape you here. Just, just think. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, each of whom is fully, equally, and eternally God. Yet there is one God. Um, th this is uh, uh, a, a statement in and of itself separates us from um, different religions, but also separates us from cults, Christian cults. Because we are, uh, we believe in one God that, that, that eternally exists, was not created. That's, that's a big one with, with a lot of the cults right now because they believe Jesus was a created being. Uh, so we, we don't believe that Jesus was created. We believe that he always existed. He has always existed. All three of them have always existed for eternity. There's no beginning. There's no end. This is what we believe here at LifePoint Church. And really, at any, any Christian, truly Christian church, this is the, 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 the common belief. All right. Now with that, the, the idea in which I want to um, kind of throw out there today is, is the idea of this, that the entire Christian faith is bound together with the confession of God's Trinitarian nature. Don't get tripped up over the Trinitarian big word. What that, that means is the three in one. Try three. So the Trinitarian, the three in one, there's three persons in uh, the Godhead. Like I said, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of our Christian, uh, the Christian faith, faith is bound together by this. So, so think about the, the, the doctrine of God and then the doctrine of the Trinity, the, the focus on the Trinity. That's what binds us together in Christian union. Well, I thought it was Jesus. yes. It is Jesus. He is one of the, the, the persons of the Godhead. 
But what we have to understand is Jesus has no more importance than the Father or the Spirit. The Spirit has no more importance than the, the, the Father or the Son. The Father has no more importance than the Son or the Spirit. They all are equally, look what it says, equally or fully equally and eternally God. When we emphasize one over the other, we are, we are setting ourselves up for a trap. Now what I will say is that um, if we want to know, and this is where that tightrope is, where people are going to try to say, well, you're contradicting yourself, Lee. I'm not. But when you want to know who and more about God, where do we look? We look to the person of Jesus Christ. Well, I thought he wasn't any more important. I'm not saying he is any more important. But the Bible tells us in Colossians a couple different times and in Hebrews chapter 1 that in Christ the fullness of the deity was pleased to dwell. What does that mean, Lee? That means the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell in Jesus to make God visible to us. God's greatest line of communication would be, and some people are going to spurt out, the Bible! Second, the primary way in which God communicates to us, the greatest communication is His Son. So if we want to know about God, yes, we look to Jesus. That's why I say all the time, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is in the Old Testament as much as He is in the New Testament. We look to the Son so we can know the Father and we can know the Spirit as well. So when we're looking at this and we're thinking about how this is all bound together, we can look at Matthew chapter 28, because in Matthew chapter 28, we see words of Jesus himself. And he talks in this, and I'll use that word again, Trinitarian language. Remember, don't get, you guys are going to go out of here smarter than you came in. I promise. Just, think, just, just practice in your head, Trinitarian, Trinitarian, Trinitarian. That, just being able to say the words like that. So the Trinitarian nature of God here, Matthew chapter 28 uh, and verse uh, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is so much we can, we can pull out from this text alone, but what I want us to see is the Trinitarian nature of the commissioning in which Christ has given us. He says, go. Why does He say go? Because He says, I'm with you when you go. And you're going in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When you go, and like I just said a few minutes ago when we're talking about those people that you want to see here and you want to, for them to have that encounter with Christ, when you go and talk to them, you're not going it alone. All authority is going with you. What do you mean all authority? If you're going in the name of Jesus and as it says here, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you're taking the power of the universe with you. You ever think about it that way? So if the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives inside of me, so if God is in me, I've got the strength, the power, the creating power of the universe to do whatever it is that God calls me to do and tells me to do. Here He's telling all of us that we need to go. Now this go is as you're going, as you're at home, as you're at work, as you're at school, as you're whatever it is, as you're going, you need to be making disciples. How do we do that? It's by teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. Now, 
All of that being said, that's the glue that holds us all together. That's the doctrine of the, of the Trinity that is going to make all Christian churches, denomination lines are, are going to be thrown aside of the, of, different, um, of the denominations because of the Trinitarian nature. Because there will be those... There are, I should say, there are other denominations. We got our friends up the street, the Congregational Church. They, they, they're a Trinitarian belief. They're a Christian church. They believe the same thing. Different denomination. I'm sure the Methodist Church. There's a Bible church up the road. The two churches that we hang out, we hung out with last night, uh, Community Bible Church and Passion Community Church, both Trinitarian belief. That's the glue that holds us together. So the entire faith is bound together in the confession of God's Trinitarian uh, nature. Let's go on to, you'll see a little box there. I'm not going to go deep into this little box, but it, it says NCC question number three. This is the New City Catechism. This is what we use at our church. Our kids use this. They learn these truths. We use uh, the, the, the catechesis, the, the system that's been used for hundreds of, of years in um, uh, uh, communicating and learning about um, the, 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 the doctrine of the church. You'll see there, question number three is, how many persons are in God? The answer, there are three persons in the one true living God. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. I love that equal in power and glory because that, what that shows us and that tells us is we're not to worship one over the other. We're not to uh, worship, seek the Spirit over seeking the Son or see, any of them. They're, they're one God, equal in power, equal in uh, glory. So with, with all of that said, I think that, 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 that it's, it's going to be um, it's necessary to give you seven statements. Seven, not six, seven. Get day, right? Uh, seven statements that go into the doctrine of uh, the Trinity. Why do I want to give you these seven statements? Because the doctrine of tr the Trinity is so uh, um, um, large that we, we truly can't get our head wrapped around it, but I want to give you seven simple truths that help us understand the doctrine of the Trinity better. Um, and then you can, again, you note takers, you see those blank lines, I gotta, I gotta write it in. Alright, number one, uh, God is one. This first statement here, this truth, God is one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the beginning of the Shema. That's the beginning of that, this prayer which was prayed multiple times a day. It's, it, it, is, um, uh, real, it realigns our minds and we, when we are thinking, like, well, maybe God is three gods and there's different types of gods. No, 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 no. The Bible is very clear. I'm giving you one example of many examples throughout Scripture that there's one God. There's one God. So when we look to the Son, He's God. When we look to the, the, the Spirit, He's God. When we look to the Father, He's God. There is one God that is communicated to us throughout uh, Scripture. Uh, the, the, the second one, number two, the Father is God. Now, again, I want to give you just a, a, a brief um, scriptural reference. There are many. I like this one. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, yet for us, there is one God. He's speaking to the, the believers here, us in a family. There's one God, the Father. So he, he doesn't say, and, and hear me on this. 
He doesn't say the mother. He doesn't say some other type, uh, the uncle. There is a clear distinction that God communicates Himself as the Father. So when we're trying to say, well, we're supposed to have, we're supposed to be, we need gender, gender neutrality or whatever they say right now. But the Bible doesn't communicate that. God Himself communicates Himself as Father, Abba, Father, as, as the head. So here, when we look that God, that, that God is a Father, so yet for us, there's one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are, are all things and through whom we exist. Look here, that, that brings us into the third one here. So we have number one is God is one. Number two, God, or the Father is God. Number three, the Son is God. I, I think that you see where we're going with this, and I don't want to be redundant, but I think this is like we need to have these distinctions. The Son is God. The Son is not a created being. That, 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 that made his way to God. The, the, the Son is not a, a created being that God just put an anointing on him and then he became a God. That's, what, that, 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 that's where, where cults believe. What we have to understand is Jesus is eternally God. Look at uh, John chapter, or 1 John, I should say. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. If somebody says, well, I don't know if the Bible really says that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible clearly says that Jesus is the Son of God. Not only does He say that He's the Son of God, he says, the Bible says He is the true God. What that is doing, that's not putting... Jesus here and the Father here, it's saying here, the true God. We have one God, Father, Son, and, as, and we're going to see here the, the third one, and the Holy Spirit. Number four here, fill in number four. The Holy Spirit is God. How many guessed that before I said it? <laughs> see, I told you, you are going out of here smarter than you came in. Look at that. The Holy Spirit is God. I like this one because this is Wayne's, one of Wayne's favorite accounts in the Bible. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 5. It goes because he was there. <laughs> that was your son, by the way, that said that. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. This is an encounter with, with Ananias and Sapphira. They're bringing their, an offering before uh, the apostles. And Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So see that connection there? He says uh, early on, it says uh, in verse 3, it says that Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. And the end of verse 4 says, you haven't lied to man, you've lied to God. This is a clear indication that the, the, the Scripture here is telling us that the apostles even were, were, were communicating to us that the Holy Spirit is God. One God, three persons here. The Holy Spirit is God. We see that clearly here. Now, let's get into 5, 6, and 7. 
5, 6, and 7 uh, go kind of in the same uh, pattern here as we just started. Uh, number 5 is the Father is not the Son. Okay? The Father is not the Son. I'm going to spurt out 6 and 7 because these are going to be spoiler alerts. The Son is not the Spirit. What do you think the last one's going to be? The Spirit is not the Father. They are three persons that are distinct inside the one in the Godhead. Turn real quick to uh, John chapter 14. Again, this is one instance, one representation in Scripture where you can see three distinct persons. Another thing that you can do for, your, for fun and leisure is uh, look up when Jesus was baptized. And it says He came out of the water and the, the voice from heaven uh, said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Then you have the, 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 the uh, dove, the Spirit coming down and appearing as a dove to rest on the Son. Another beautiful picture of the Trinity. But I like this in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, and we're going to do 15, 16, and 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I love this because Jesus says, if you love me, there's obedience that is involved with it. We can preach a whole series on that. But if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because, he, it, neither, er, because it neither sees Him Talking about the world. The world never sees Him, nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So the Son is talking about, or is talking about the Spirit that is going to be sent from the Father, but also sent from the Son. One God, three persons. The Bible clearly communicates the Trinity. Does the word Trinity appear in the Bible. The word Trinity. No, the word Trinity does not appear in Scripture. That is the, the evidence in which people use the saying, well, the Trinity is not even real. The, the word Trinity does not, does not appear in Scripture, but the concept is clear in Scripture. The, the Father exists. The Son exists. The Spirit exists. But they all exist in one. They're one God, three distinct persons. So as we, as we look at that, we might be asking this, this question. Or, or you're saying, okay, I, I get it. There's set these seven things that, um, you know, I, I can see the Father is God, the Son is God, the, the Spirit is God, and none of them are, are, are each other. They're, they're clearly distinct. So what does that really matter? I know that none of you in here are saying that, but maybe you have a friend that's saying, like, what does that really matter? How is that going to make any change or any difference um, in, in, in my life? What am I going to do with that that's going to change anything? Well, I'm, I'm glad you're asking that question because I think there's three things that we need to think about when asking the why does it really matter? Or like we have been talking amongst the, uh, the elders, the so what question. Because I can get up here and I can give you a whole bunch of information, but you can sit back here and you're like, all right. Not that you don't believe it, you're like, okay, so what? So the, 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 we look at the Trinity and we see all those seven things that are true about the Trinity. You can sit there and say, ah, so what? Does, does that make you a bad person? No. What that makes you is an individual that wants to take the truth, the sound doctrine that's being taught to you, and then apply it to your life. Which is, that is what we're supposed to do. If we just consume, 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 and never act upon what it is that we're consuming, what we'll be, end up being is just a big bobblehead. Right, Dan? 
Right, Kurt? <sighs> Chuckles. No. <laughs> There's an inside joke there that you got to ask. Um, not right now, though. So what, so what? What does it matter? Three things. First thing, the Trinity helps us to understand how there can be unity in diversity. I love this one. Unity in diversity, especially in the, in the, uh, the culture in which we live, what, what, what we have a tendency of doing is, is um, looking exclusively at uh, the diversity part, how we, everybody is different. But what we need to do is we need to see that there can be and there is a common ground. So we're not, we're not pressing for uniformity, we're pressing for unity. What do I mean? Last night is a perfect example our Valentine's, our Valentine's banquet. So what, what, what do I mean? Well, we had three different churches that were present at our banquet last night. Almost 80 people came together from different churches and all for a common purpose under a common bond. And what, what, why is that even possible? Because we have a God that shows that there's unity, but there's diversity inside the unity. I love this. You might be thinking, like, what, 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 what do you mean, Lee? Well, in the Trinity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who all work together to complete our salvation. Wait a second. I thought it was Jesus on the cross that, that provided the way. Yes, absolutely. But Jesus only came because the Father appointed that. So I put down here, the Father appoints, the Son accomplishes, or accomplished, and the Spirit applies. There's a Trinitarian view when we, when we look at this for even our own salvation. It wasn't just, and please don't hear me as being sacrilegious or taking anything away from the power of the blood. Not saying that at all. But we cannot forget the, 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 the Trinity, how the Trinity is involved in our salvation. You were appointed by God. all right. You were, but Christ was appointed, so this is what you're going to do. See these people that, that, that are going to spit on you or going to curse you. They're, they're not even going, you're going to walk amongst them. They're not going to even, even hail you as king. What they're going to do is they're going to put a crown of thorns on, on your head and beat you until you are almost um, in the inch uh, uh, of death, until your flesh is torn off of your body. Then, because they, they just uh, are enjoying it so much, they're going to hang you on a cross, your arms outstretched, your hands nailed, your feet nailed, and then what's going to happen is they're going to just yell curses at you and mock you. And say things like, if you are the Son of God, come down from here. Save yourself. You can't even save yourself. How are you going to save us? Jesus knew what he was getting into. The Father appointed this to happen. Jesus came and he accomplished what the Father appointed. But then we understand that it is by the power of the Spirit. It says the, the, the Spirit of God is what raised Jesus from the dead. And that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that it is given to us, like it said here in, in John chapter 14. The Helper, the Comforter, the Paraclete, however you want to say that. Not pair of cleats. No, the Paraclete. What that means is one who comes beside. All right? So the Spirit is given to us. Why is the Spirit given to us? To complete our salvation. Wait a second, I thought it was in Jesus. He seals us for eternity. The job of the Spirit is to seal us for eternity. Why do we need sealed in our salvation, in our, our faith and our trust in God? Because you can't do it alone. 
No, I know that this crowd doesn't do it, but, but there are people who wake up in the morning that just don't feel like being a Christian that morning. There are some people who go to basketball games and yell at the refs until uh, they're blue in the face, maybe even follow the refs out and tell them that they did a poor, very poor job and they're not very Christian in the moment. And if they were relying upon uh, themselves to be a Christian, they would not be a Christian and, and preaching in front of you right now. That, that was my confession in, in an illustration there. That, 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 it, it, but see, it's not up to me to maintain and, and, and keep my salvation. It's the Spirit of God who seals me for eternity. So what, why do I say that all of that being said, that there is unity and diversity. We can see the, the, this present in uh, the, the, the Trinity. The second thing that we can see is that when you have a triune God, you have the eternality of love. Another big word, all it means is the eternalness, the, the, the presence of eternal. So we have the eternality of love. What do you mean? Love has always existed. Alright, I'm listening to you now. Love has always existed. God didn't have to create love. Love is not a created thing. Love is, is who God is, and if, if love is who God is, if that's an attribute of God, it's always been. So when we, when we have Hallmark holidays, like we just had, and I'm not going to bash on anybody, but whatever, you, you celebrate it however you want. Hallmark did not, even, I, I know you Hallmark Channel ladies love those movies, but that's not real love, by the way. Anyhow. Uh, Hallmark did not create love. Love was not created. Love has existed for forever because God is love. And what we, we see that is because love has existed from all times, we see that if... But think about it this way. If, if you had a God who is not in three persons, who would, they would have to need to create another being to love, which is something that, 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 that people say, well, that's why... God created us is because He needed someone to love. He needed someone to love. Want somebody to love. I need somebody to love. No. God did not create in need or out of need. He created out of His own expression of love. Again, love is not a created thing. This is, this is, this is the, the, the eternalness of God, the, the eternality. Why do I say that? Because we are in the Valentine season. This season is one that everybody thinks of love or maybe a lost love or, or, or whatever it may be. Understand that that love in which you have for one another, if you're in a marriage right now, that love that is sustained by your marriage, that was, that was from last night, that love that is sustained by your marriage is not something you created, it's not something your wife or your husband created. It's something that has always existed in God. That's why the Christian union that's why getting married and, as people say, being right before God, that's why that is so important. That's an expression of, we get it. This is not ours. When we understand, maybe this is going to be a huge revelation to you. When you understand your love for your spouse is not something that is yours, that you own, it is something that is given to you and all you're doing is stewarding it, it's from God, that frees you to operate in the way in which God wants you to operate with your spouse. 
I can't do that. You probably can't. She annoys the crap out of me, or he's stupid. Oh, okay, okay. But your love for them is not dependent upon you at that point. It's dependent upon God. This is why I say all the time, and I need, we need to get our heads wrapped around this, that we have to have God in the center. If God is in the center of our marriage and we understand that, that love is eternal and it's from God, and that if He's in the center, not first, but in the center, if He's in the center of our marriage, our love radiates from. That's what builds strong marriages. I, I said last night that the marriage is important. Strong, healthy marriages are important for a strong, healthy church. And I know I've said that before. It's important to understand that, that, that this is why. This is not, I'm not, this is not a, a growth strategy. This is a plea to you. Like We need to have strong marriages. Our society needs to have strong marriages. Because if the marriage isn't strong, the church isn't strong. And let's even go one, one step further. I believe because the churches aren't strong, our society isn't strong. Look at the fight and the craziness that's happening. Man, that's, that's why I went to a digital format so no one can tear up my, my sermon after I'm done. <laughs> Woo, that was good. Come on, that was good. Um, but understand, it, it all comes down to the... How did, how did the, 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 the enemy... How did the enemy cre- present and, cre- and, and, and uh, um, uh, entice humanity to, to, to stray away from God? He, he hit the marriage. Wait a second, I thought it was Eve that took the fruit. It wasn't an apple. It's not an I don't know what it was. It may have been. Maybe that's why there's a bite out of the apple and the apple symbol. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. But well, I thought it was Eve that took the fruit. Adam was right there with, right there with. It, it was an attack on the marriage. And when the marriage is attacked and the marriage is split and the marriages are failing, then look, the repercussions are just going, the ripple effect happens. Am I a doom and gloomer? No. What I'm saying is if we focus on stronger marriages and understand the centrality of the love that comes from God and is a source of our marriages, then they will flourish. Then we will see change. I know that. Because God promises that. Let's go on for, for sake of time here. I need to move on to the, this next one, the final one. And, and I put in here the most importantly, the doctrine of the Trinity is crucial for Christians because there's nothing more important in all of the world than knowing God. Nothing more important than knowing God. Not just knowing of God. Yeah, I believe in God. But God reveals himself and wants to reveal himself more and more. Going back to the illustration I started with at the beginning about my distance with my grandparents and the the crazy thoughts that, 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 that creep in there. When we don't pursue God, because He's already pursuing us, but when we don't turn and pursue Him, we're not going to know Him, and we're not going to know what, what His will is. We're not going to know what His way is. We're not going to know what to do. Then we're going to be like, oh, I don't know where God is. God's always been there. God does not move. It's you that has the bag over your head and, and saying, where's God? It's that, I believe, I, don't, I just don't, I don't know what to do. Take the bag off. Take the, ba- the, the blinders off, whatever it is, and seek Him. We, we, we see here that there's nothing more important than knowing God. I, I think this. 
So, so the reality of the triune God, it, it's, it's, it cannot be denied. We've seen plenty of, uh, of, of scriptures that support that. So what, what happens, though, is those who are outside of Christ, um, they, what they object to is this. Their objections arise primarily because they seek to understand the Creator in terms of the creation. What, what, what do I mean? What I mean is this. To see God, they, they try to see God as merely a, a bigger version of man. Like He's a bigger, better version of Bobby. He's a bigger, better version of my dad. As it, no, no, God is not a bigger, bigger and better version of anyone. He is a totally different being. He's not a creation. He is a creator. But when we have the mindset, we're trying to paint this picture, but he's a big man upstairs. No, he's not. What we have to understand is, is our minds are not going to fully comprehend the, the infinite, uh, the, 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 the infinite um, fullness of God. And that's okay. I put here in your notes that this final statement is this. We believe in the Trinity, not because we understand it. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I'm going to explain the Trinity perfectly to you, run and hide. Because you can't explain the, the infinite uh, nature of God. We can explain little bit, bits and pieces of Him, and we should. We should grab onto. But we, what we understand is this. We believe in the Trinity, not because we understand it, but because God has revealed it to us through His Word. God has revealed Himself, and because He has revealed Himself, we can believe. Um, if, you're not, uh, if you're not familiar with this, this is what's called faith. There are certain things that we're not going to fully understand, but just because we don't fully understand does not make them false. Taking that step and trusting God at His Word, that is faith. So when we're looking at a doctrine this big, like why do we need this? This is what grows us in our faith. It's necessary for, for us to know that if we hope to grow in our understanding of God and His nature, we're going to have to look at things that are beyond really our capacity. I mean, reality, it's beyond our capacity to wrap our heads around it, but we have to look at this and say, wow, I don't understand it fully, but He says this, and I'm going to take Him at His word. And understand that you, you, your friends and people are going to be like, well, what about this and what about this? You're not going to always have the answers. When I said earlier, those people who are, you're thinking about that you want to see here, and you're like, well, I can't talk to them because they're going to ask this question and that question. That's all right. Let them ask questions. That means that they're, they're wanting the truth. Just tell them the truth. I don't know everything. That's fine. It's okay. It's okay for you not to know. It's okay for you not to be the, 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 the Bible scholar of the century. How about you take those times in which you don't know just to be truthful? I don't, I don't really know that. But hey, maybe we can find out together. That's a good pathway, by the way, if you're talking to someone. And they ask you that question, you can say, I don't know, but maybe, maybe the pastor does. Maybe one of the elders do. Maybe one of our, you know, somebody at church, maybe, maybe come here and we'll, we'll find out. Come to church, come together and see that we're not just a bunch of crazy people. We are crazy, but not just. I say all that because I think this is important. The doctrine of God, the doctrine of Trinity. It's not incidental. It's, it's not unimportant. It's the very essence of His being. 
the doctrine of who of, of God, of the Trinity, of who it is that we worship. And we worship the Father, we worship the Son, we worship the Spirit, all as one. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, uh, your name is holy. God, we, we do come before you um, by way of your Son, under the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit, to present to you what it is that, it, that is uh, on our hearts. Uh, today, I know, as uh, um, Dan was saying earlier about these chains, I, I know that there are people who have those chains, chains and they want change. They want to, to, to uh, exchange their change for change in their life. God, I just pray that um, as we've heard the truth of your word, uh, the truth of who you are, um, how you do exist uh, in, in the Godhead, the Trinity, and that is how it's foundational, fundamental to the Christian faith. God, I, I pray that, that we see the unity. I pray that we see the love, but I pray also, and most importantly, that we see the, 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 the magnitude of this and how this changes our lives. God, as we go from here, we ask that you uh, um, uh, let us understand that you're always with us. I was going to say go with us, but you're already there. God, just let us have that, that peace that passes and surpasses all understanding. And know that all authority has been given over to the Son, and the Son has sent the Spirit in, in saying, here's the Helper. Spirit of God inside of us, I pray. I pray that, that, that you awaken us. And Lord, I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.